We continue today with our, our more uh, series. Um, we have been looking at this theme of more, and at, all, at some level in our life, all of us are searching for a purpose in life, right? Something that gives us a reason to be, a reason to do, something bigger than ourselves that we can kind of make sense of our life with, that we can plug ourselves into, that uh, fulfills us. Um, and this series, as we've kind of walked and tried to deliberately go slowly through this, I hope by the time we're done, gives you a framework in your mind to be able to define that I, I know where my purpose is, and it's, it's finding the more that comes from really walking in alignment with the Lord and his will and his work in this world. And so as we hunger for that something bigger uh, and we find that in Jesus and working with him and his work in the world, um, we also recognize, though, that there are other alternatives presented to us about purpose. Um, a lot of Eastern religions, they kind of use the, the whole, uh, their, the metaphor for life is a, it's a big circle, right? It's, it's, a, it's a circle that if you live, you die, you live again, you can be reincarnated hundreds, thousands of times, and, and it's just a big circle that never seems to be going anywhere. Um, atheism is a growing uh, belief system in our world, and, and their answer is that you just need to quit the search, right? There's no purpose. There's no purpose. The reason that you and I are here is just random chance, atoms happen to collide in just the right way, and, and voila, here we are, there's no purpose, there's no meaning to that, and, and um, that's not much of a purpose, but their answer is, you don't need a purpose, just do whatever feels good kind of thing. Um, but the Bible has always presented, and it shaped Western culture in a lot of ways, the Bible has always presented a purpose, that a sense of purpose that is based upon a couple of key truths. Um, and I can read you the verses, but I just want to show you this video. It's about a minute long. I think it encompasses the verses, first of all, that I wanted to show. Uh, but it also, I think it encompasses this idea of, of, of where purpose as a Christian, as I look to the scriptures, where that purpose comes from. So if you guys want to play that, please.
did you notice the two verses that were tied there that kind of point this in the direction of where, when the Bible kind of says this is where purpose comes from, it points you to two things. It points you to creation and to calling. It points you to creation. Beautiful verses like one, Psalm 139. They put part of it up there, but let me read more of it for you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Psalm 139 paints this idea that part of our purpose, this idea of purpose really comes from just the idea of creation, that I believe that I am made, right? That word made versus I accidentally showed up or whatever other word you want to put there, that's a big difference, right? And so if I am made, um, there's purpose to that, all right? But not just purpose, the Bible also adds a layer to, to creation by just this whole idea of calling, um, throughout the Old Testament, especially in the New Testament when Jesus shows up. And all the work that Jesus has came to do in the world is summarized in Ephesians 2.10 that you also saw up there. When it says, for we are God's workmanship, his work. Again, note the intentionality of the word made from Psalm 139 and workmanship in, in Ephesians 2. Uh, there's intentionality about that. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so purpose really comes to us in, in through the avenues and the teachings and the thought life of, of I am made and I am called. And so as we allow those things to play out in our life, um, we begin to find just that more that God has for us. Um, and so we're halfway through this series um, in which we've been looking, and, and today we're going to make a transition um, from where we have been the last three weeks to the next three weeks of, of adding a layer to what we have presented. I'll put this slide up here. This is a review of where we have been. We have used these three words to try to remind ourselves, okay, if I'm going to understand calling and this whole idea of, of being in alignment with God and, and finding more in my life through that, those three simple words, right? Be do and go. And asking myself on a regular basis, who has God called me to be? And what has God called me to do? And where has God called me to be and do those things? And so we have been looking at what we have called a general calling that every one of us, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have a calling in your life. You don't have to lay awake at night and thinking, well, does God have a calling on my life? Am I called to do something with my life? The answer is yes. Every one of us is called to be a disciple of Jesus who does, or the do part, is, is involved in the disciple-making process of allowing other people to know Jesus through our life, and wherever I may be is the phrase that we have used uh, to describe that. And so we've, we've it's just this phrase that all of us are called to be and do and go from that perspective. But today we transition from just that general primary calling that all of us have to the unique part of us, that also, as just as you are generally called as a Christian, um, as an individual, though, there's another layer on top of that. As you live out the be, do, go, there's also another layer of that where you bring your uniqueness into what God is doing in the world, and God uses your uniqueness uh, on top of you being a disciple of his 
And he begins to allow that overflow of you being a disciple of his uh, to use your unique gifts, personalities, strengths, your story, your passions, as Tim talked about, all those different things that stir your heart. Um, he uses those things. And so today, uh, we're going to kind of go back through our be, do, go, but from a different perspective, okay? So we're going to take that layer of be, do, go, and we're going to add the layer of, of who has God uniquely called me to be? And we're going to begin that conversation here today over the next week or two. And here's the idea that I just simply want you to think about with me today, the word me. Um, I want you to think about this truth, that I am uniquely made. Um, that may not be a new truth to you. That's probably not if you've hung out in church. At least in your head, you know that. Um, but appreciating and embracing that uniqueness is a, is a, is a good thing. It is a healthy thing. It is a thing I want us to encourage. And you'll notice that word lens up there. If you've gone to the eye doctor, um, you know that when the eye doctor puts, you the, puts that metal thing in front of your face and begins to flip those switches, whatever he or she is doing, and all the different lenses begin to pop in front of you, uh, some of them are clearer, and, and, and as they keep just putting different lenses there, eventually get to a place where you are clearer. And so these next three words, beginning with seeing me more clearly, uh, I, I hope we can kind of do some of that, all right? We're going to throw some things in front of our eyes that hopefully help us to be able to see uh, the uniqueness of, of God's calling and work in our life uh, on top of the general calling of, hey, I know what I'm supposed to be. I want to be his disciple who's a disciple maker wherever I am. But there's a unique way that you're going to play that out in your life. And I'm going to play that out in my life. And so this idea that we are uniquely made is everywhere in the New Testament. But I want us to focus and draw some ideas out of a parable that Jesus told in Matthew 25 in which he illustrates this idea. And so we're going to build on this, these truths the next two weeks. And so we're going to read it as we do. But before we read Matthew 25, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open there. Uh, before we read Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, um, I want to ask you, as we read through this, I want you to look for four key words or themes, more importantly, because the words themselves may not be there, but I want you to look for the ideas, the themes that are there. And they're these four words. Um, I want you to look at the idea of service, stewardship, entrepreneurship. There's your big word of the day. Um, I asked my Sunday school class at 8 o'clock if they could spell entrepreneur. Entrepreneur? And they, a lot of them could. They're smarter than me. I had to Google it. And so entrepreneurship and accountability. All right? And so... Those four ideas, when we begin to think of, okay, God has uniquely made me, so what does that mean? How does that play out in my life? What should I be thinking about biblically as, as I do that? And I think those four words help us to process not only the story and remember the story, but I help, think it helps us to begin to think, okay, as I look at my unique uh, creation, my unique maidness, um, what do I do with that? Is that just me free to go do whatever I want with it? Or is it, un again, underneath the umbrella of God's work and, and calling and leading in my life? And so uh, look for those four words. We're going to come back and read the story. I'm going to put those four words back up on the screen. And we're going to talk about a few of them, okay? Just so, or all four of them, actually. And so you can kind of see them in this story, okay? Jesus tells the story. Uh, in Matthew 25, there's three different stories Jesus tells. Um, the beginning, the first story he tells, then we get to verse 14. Then there's a story that comes after this parable. And the two parables before and after are kind of those urgency uh, pay attention, be alert, don't be caught sleeping when Jesus comes, those kind of parables. Um, but in between, he tells this story, and it has the same theme to it as well, um, but just in a little different tone. It says this, beginning of verse 14. 
For it will be, the coming of Jesus will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. Now just pause there a second, okay? Uh, When you read that word, he gave them a talent, uh, don't think of... I don't know, singing, dribbling a basketball, I don't know, whatever it may be. Don't think of that. Think of money, because that's what this was. These are monetary terms. And the word talent is someone that one commentator described it as the equivalent of like 10 years wages, okay? So you're thinking, I don't know what you make. That's like 50 bucks. I don't know what you make in a year. But 10 years wages is a lot of money, right? If you multiply whatever you make a year by 10, and one guy's getting five talents. So that's I can't do math. It's a lot, okay? It's a lot of money. And so each one of these guys is set up with um, a good deal of, of wealth and opportunity to do something with, okay? So he gives them this, these gifts. Note that he gives them according to their ability. That's an important part of this whole conversation. And then he goes away and he leaves them to do whatever they want with this, okay? He goes on in verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. He began to invest them and, and make deals with them. And he made five more talents. And so also he who had the two talents made two talents more. They each are doubling what had been given to them. He goes on, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master." And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, um, and, and as you begin to listen to this guy talk, um, I don't know, the text doesn't tell us why he says the things he does, but the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy had no issues with going and investing and making more with what the master had given them. But this guy begins to, maybe he's making excuses, maybe he's placing blame, I don't know what he's doing, but he's trying to justify what he brings back to the master. He says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, and so I was afraid. And I went, and I hid your talent in the ground, and so here you have what is yours. So he gets back exactly what he gave him. Nothing had been touched, nothing had been done with it. Um, he had squandered it, wasted the opportunity. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servants, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have at least invested my money with the bankers. At my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. And so take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so the parable ends on a rather depressing note. 
And so I ask you, do you see those four ideas I put on the screen at work in this story? Four ideas that we looked for here um, that I want you to think about, that we think about a unique calling uh, that God invites and, and, and works in each one of your lives. You are a unique human being, unlike anyone else on this planet, um, and you come before God with that. You are made by God with those things. And so where do we see service and stewardship and entrepreneurship and accountability at work here? Because I think those four things need to shape our use of our unique gifts that we have in life. And so let's think about the service. Um, let's think about the idea of service. Um, that calling means service. As you look at that, he calls his slaves, this text says, and, and that's the, a, a word that doesn't, sometimes in the, in the New Testament, it, there's a form of servant or slavery that was, well, you just sell yourself to a guy, work for a few years, earn your way back and be free. This is not that. These guys are owned. They are, they're in a situation where they have no freedom, no control. Um, they were completely owned in that culture. And so um, they, though, were given an opportunity to do something good um, with the master's goods. Um, and they chose the idea of, I'm going to take this and multiply it for my master, for the one who gave it to me, right? They're going to serve him with it. Now, we are in a culture that believes it's all about us, don't we? Um, from the consumerism that just every, drives us, from entertainment that's always at your demand. Um, I was going to make a list of commercials that just had that philosophy in it, right? Have it your way, right? That's McDonald's, right? I think that was or Burger King, one of the two, one of those two fancy restaurants that I eat at a lot. Um, the, uh, what are other ones? You can think of any others. What's the other ones? There's have it your way. Um, I think it's somebody had it because you're worth it, right? You should buy this. You should do this because you're worth it, right? Anybody else think of any others? Don't be afraid. Shout them out. No? Okay. There's more. I'll, I should have made the list and we wouldn't be having an awkward moment here. Okay. And so we'll go on. Um, and so, but that philosophy is everywhere. But just begin to listen to the advertisers who continue to bombard you with why you should buy their products. It's always driven to you should make what you want or you should have what you want and, and you should do what makes you happy at the end of the day. And we can tend to make our Christian life about us too. You see, more that we are talking about here is in the context of service. You see, when I think of God making me unique, that is not God giving me gifts and abilities and talents, and then I take them and I just do what I want with them for my good and for my glory. There's always this attitude of, okay, God, you have created me to be these gifts and these things. How can I serve you with them? How can I honor you with the things you have given me? Um, we can tend to make it about us, and we should avoid that, and we should fight that. So that's the idea of service. There's the idea of stewardship, um, and stewardship certainly implies money, uh, and that's the tech context of this parable, that they were given monetary, monetary amounts, they were stewards of it, and it wasn't theirs. They were managing something that belonged to someone else, and then when, at the end of the story, they gave it back uh, to him. And the idea of stewardship applies with more than just money, right? Um, it, it applies to your gifting as well. You have gifts and abilities, and I wonder if you give much thought to the idea that, God, I am a steward of this gift, whatever it is, uh, whatever gift, talent, ability, knowledge, skill, I'm a steward of this, to use this in service of you. There's the word entrepreneurship um, that is important in this passage, um, 
um, what's an entrepreneur? Right? It's someone who starts something. And sometimes we, we think about, well, God, I'm going to sit here until, like Moses, there's a burning bush that just gives me clear instructions on what to go do, or I'm going to sit here and wait until a bright light, like Paul, I'm just sit here and wait. I'm waiting, all right? I'm waiting, Lord. And, and so we just sit here in inactivity. But I, I love this story because I think it illustrates the idea that, that the master gives gifts and then there's an entrepreneurship within the context of I'm going to serve the master, I'm going to give it back to the master. Um, what can I do um, to, ma- to maximize what has been given to me? There's an initiative to say, okay, I have been given much, and so I'm going to go and I'm going to multiply it however I can do that. And so oftentimes this idea of I should go and be creative, I should be innovative, I should be intentional and aggressive with, with these gifts because I want to honor God and serve God as a steward of the gifts and abilities and knowledge and wisdom he has given to me, right? And so there's entrepreneurship, and then there's finally the word accountability. Um, accountability is just the idea that I have to answer for it, right? Um, in the first sermon we preached, uh, we referred to a couple of, of questions. I think it was uh, uh, from Robert Coleman who wrote in a book. The idea of um, the two great questions of your life that you'll have to answer at the end is, is what did you do with Jesus? Um, that's a paraphrase of the question we put up there. But what did you do with Jesus at the end of your life? And then what did you do with the specific opportunities that were given to you in your life um, for him? And that falls here, right? I'm going to have to answer, right? These guys have to give an account. There's a reckoning. Okay, this is what you were given. Um, this is what you did with it. And rewards or d- discouraging words were heard um, because of their response. There's accountability to that. And so those are important themes that when I think about, okay, I have gifts and unique things about my life, then what am I going to do with them, right? And so those four words are important. So let me give you these statements, and we're going to build on them next week and and unpack them. Uh, But this kind of introduces what we're going to look at next week. Um, It's this idea. Three, four statements I just want you to think about. In light of those ideas, there's four of them. Just write these down or jot them down if you would. And we'll think about them later. Four things that I think are just the consequences or the overflow of this. Number one is this. My created design is a special gift from the Lord. That my created design is a special gift from the Lord. I need to understand that and appreciate that, right? Uh, there should be a healthy, I think Romans chapter 12 says that we should have a, a healthy view of ourselves. Not too high. I shouldn't be arrogant because they are gifts from God. But I also shouldn't walk through my life thinking, I can't do anything for God. I'm not a paid clergy person, so I must not matter as much to the Lord. And there is a healthy medium in the middle of all of that stuff that God calls us to embrace and understand that, yes, I have gifts. I have skills. I have experiences. I have knowledge. And God can use any and all of that. And so I must understand that my created design is a special gift from the Lord and be thankful and honest about that. It's okay to say, I can do these things, right? Again, that's not an arrogant thing. It can be, but it shouldn't be for us to be able to have a list of things that I can identify to someone else and say, hey, here are my gifts, here's my experience, here's my skills, here's my knowledge. How can I use this to serve God, all right, uh, to be and do and go? All right, number two, uh, my uniqueness um, should be placed second to my place, second place uh, to my role as a disciple of Jesus, all right? And this is an important thing because we live in a culture that forgets the disciple of Jesus part And we are all about, I am just a unique person, so I'm just going to flush out my humanity and and do everything I want to do and and, and live my own uniqueness to the fullness, minus the foundation of discipleship. And so what we do is we just follow our passions, our whims, our wants, and um, 
I must never forget, again, the accountability thing, the, the stewardship part of this, um, that uniqueness always is built upon the foundation of be, do, go as a disciple, okay? And so my uniqueness needs to, to live in that arena, all right, as well. And so I would never do something in my uniqueness that violates what I'm supposed to be as a, as a disciple, okay? And so those two things work together, not opposed from each other, all right? Number three, my life, uh, if I'm going to find this, I'm going to explore this, and this is probably the most, I don't know if it's the most important, but it's the thing we're going to build on most next week is this, is that my life Um, I'm going to look through my life. I'm going to honestly look through my life and and honestly, thoughtfully, and prayerfully study my life, okay? Now, that may be a comedy. That may be a tragedy. I don't know what you're going to find as you open up your life and you begin to study it. Um, But if I'm going to find out a list to be able to identify and say, here's who I am, here's what I can do, I need to honestly thoughtfully and prayerfully be involved in a process of looking at, okay, what can I do? What skills, what are the things that when I do them, I feel most alive? What are the things that, that there's a passion in me that when I'm flipping through channels and, and, and there's a passion about some need or some problem in the world, I'm drawn to that. Well, what are some things that, that, boy, I just, I naturally just do those things fairly comfortably. And so what are those things? I need to be able to be identify them. Next week, we're going to look at this, this acronym deeper. But you all use a GPS of some form, way, shape, or form. You have it in your phone. Um, um, it's that little thing that gives you direction, right? It guides you. And you have a unique GPS in your life. And we're going to use the letters GPS to, to stand for three things, right? G stands for gifts. You have gifts, You or maybe some of you can speak, some of you can teach, some of you can organize, some of you are very merciful, some of you are good leaders, some of you are good uh, givers, you are, you have gifts, right? You just, that's just something that just comes very natural to you. And you need to be on the search honestly, thoughtfully, and prayerfully saying, God, what are those gifts? And we'll expose you to some of those things next week. The letter P stands for passions. Um... I think it was Andy Stanley who once said, if you, if you really want to make the most of your life, uh, what is it that makes you laugh? What energizes you? And it, what is it that makes you cry? If you can answer those two questions, what breaks your heart and what energizes your heart, um, you're going to find yourself, that's how you kind of find that sweet spot that we've been talking about. And that's where you're beginning to identify some of your gifting, right? Is because what are my passions, right? Um, I've begun to identify some of mine over the years um, and just things that, boy, when I'm in that or I'm paying attention to that or I'm reading about that, just I'm just drawn to that and my heart comes alive in that. Unlike other things that don't necessarily do that, and that doesn't mean those things are bad, it just means that your uniqueness, God's going to use those passions to say, hey, I'm really drawn to this people group or this situation or these kind of things, I'm drawn to that. And letter S, G, G is gifts, P is passions, and S is story. You all have a story that God has been writing, some of you for a long time, all right? And so you have a history to be able to look back and say, okay, if I was to replay the story of my life, what are the experiences that I have had? And don't overlook the really bad times. In fact, you should probably focus in on the really bad times because the hard times are probably the place that God's gonna use you most 
um, to be able to identify with other people who are going through things like that, to be able to minister to people, uh, to be able to, to see God at work in your life in the most visual ways. And so GPS, your gifts and your passions and your story uh, all help us to flesh out that unique calling that God has on your life. Um, let me put this up here. I, I put this up here a little at the beginning, but the word me, just like each one of those diagrams that each of the, one of these weeks have not been random. Um, if you were to draw that little on a piece of paper, the word me with a circle with all the little lines on it, those lines this week represent places for you to begin to identify gifts uh, or, or, or passions or part of your story, things that you have learned and that God has done in you. Somebody else kind of did the similar thing with the GPS and they said this, if you were to take a piece of paper and draw it into thirds, put, put columns on it, in the first column, just think about the gifts and the strengths you were born with. Sit down with paper and start listing out the strengths and gifts that make you you, right? And begin to do that. And if you have a couple of people in your life who you can ask and say, hey, what are some of my gifts? What are the things I do pretty well? Um, you're most happy when you do those kind of things. So on one column, just make those lists. In that middle column, what are the resources and strengths that your whole culture has given to you? Some of you grew up in a family and they poured into you certain things. And so you know things and you can do things because you grew up in a certain family or a certain situation or your education or um, the culture that you lived in. Um, there's all kinds of possibilities that can go in that, that middle column. And finally, the third one is the circles of influence you have. Um, where are the circles that both you've been influenced by and that you can influence people, your family, your friendships, your neighbors, your coworkers, um, and your list of people is different than probably anybody else's. There's probably some commonalities, but your list is going to be unique to you. And so as you begin to think through those things, honestly and prayerfully and, and, and just studying your life, just saying, okay, God, help me to see my uniqueness so that I might know myself, not for the purpose of just knowing myself, but so that I might use myself and my gifts and my strengths and my abilities to most make a difference for you as a disciple of yours, right? And finally, I, I finish with this one. Um, my gift needs to be surrendered to Christ's higher purpose. This kind of summarizes the other three. But um, just whatever I am, whoever I am, I always need to be living and seeking and praying and studying myself with the goal of, okay, God, I want to be my best for you. I want to make the biggest difference in the world for you. I can. And so whatever gift I find, I want to surrender it and say, God, how can you use this um, what do I have? What possessions do I have? How can I use this to serve you? What uh, possessions do I have? What gifts do I have? Uh, what experiences do I have? How can I connect with people? Um, if you've had a hard thing happen in your life, what other people around you that you can invest in and, and minister to? God does not waste those things in your life. And so, um, but we have to come with the attitude of God, I surrender that gift to you. And so I surrender my gift to Christ's higher purpose of being a disciple who's invested in making disciples wherever I am. All right. And so that kind of introduces the second wave of the, of the be, do, go. All right. And so if I'm going to be that, just like we talked about, I want to be a disciple. I want to be, be a disciple who is becoming aware of who I am and what I can do and what God has done in my life and the story of my life and the gifting of my life and the experiences of my life that have set me up um, to begin to serve him best in my unique and your unique way. And so intentionally asking how you can use your gifts, passions, and story to serve Christ is a beautiful beginning, all right? And so we will stop there today, um, but I just want to finish with this. Um, every time we look at these things, um, we talk about calling, 
the most important part of calling is to know the caller, right? Is to know the one who calls you. Because if you know him, all the other things are going to begin to trickle down in your life. And so I hope today that you see who he is. That just in that story that Jesus told us, that parable of Jesus, that, that, that gifts were given and accountability will take place. And, and while the story kind of has a negative tone to it, it's all in the context of um, think of all that God the Master, God the Father has done for us. And so what is your next step with the Lord in view of the cross, in view of Christ's work, in view of Christ's sacrifice for your life? What would be the appropriate thing for you to do next in light of a Jesus who loves you, who gave himself for you, who lives daily, inviting you to come and walk in partnership with him? Calling doesn't really matter that much without hearing the caller. And so I hope today that you will know him and that you will hear him and that perhaps as you think through these things in these next few weeks, you will begin to see that, yeah, I, I, I hear God working in my life in these areas and that's a beautiful, good thing and I hope that you will be surrendering and, and open to taking that step. And so maybe it's the day today that you um, hear God's invitation to come and to follow him, that you will We've been looking at the great passages the last few weeks of the Great Commission and the Great uh, Commandments, but there's also the Good Confession that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that maybe today you can take that step of, as Paul would say, being united with him in baptism today and, and rising to live this life of surrender, of, of being, of, of all that he calls you to be, this life where you present yourself to him in every way, shape, and form.